Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how's it going? Clear out, everybody. This is going to be a wild basketball ride. I hope you're ready for it. We got some thoughts. We're going to throw them at you. Also with us, it's the People's Champ, David Johnson Champ. How's it going? We hate the Gophers just as much as they hate us, and we took it to them on Sunday, and that makes me happy. I'm ready to go today. Champ's ready to go. He's dishing the hate right back to the Gophers of Minnesota. Guys, subscribe to the show. Wherever you guys get your podcast, share the show with your friends. Our guy Ray on Twitter was doing his best to retweet and get us some more subscribers. Follow Ray's lead. Do the same thing that he is doing. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. And just subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter. Talk with us. And everywhere you guys can can make contact with us, we will talk Hawkeyes with you. To kick off the show this week, we're not going to do our typical outside zone hypothetical question. We're going to throw it to Champ real quick for Champ's pick six. Champ, big fella, what is your topic this week? Uh, The Champ's pick six this week is my top six favorite sports movies. Now, before Um, you even get started, there's been a lot of chatter on the Twitter box from your picks last week, including... Gatorade as a snack. Now, people are so irate that you chose this that they are already pre-making fun of you for picking a movie called Castaway as a sports movie because there's a volleyball in it. So, Champ, you need to do the people right here. You need to justify this segment, and you need to make us all happy. First of all, by people, you mean one person, and that's Jonah Parker, our fearless leader at Black Carcoal Pants. Also known as JP and I C. They were also people defending Gatorade as a snack, as we as on my Twitter mentions today. So it's it's good debate, and that's what the pick six is all about. We like to get people talking on Twitter. We like to get people's lists, and you know, Big Ray, you mentioned earlier, his son loved my list, so I appreciate that, and I well, thought it was a good list myself. I can't wait to hear what your Gatorade movie is this week. I mean, Jade, there is probably a Gatorade movie on this list that people are gonna, you know, maybe disagree with, and I'm fine with that. I'm open to debate. I mean, it's my list. It's not your list, so I'll make the list, and then what you say about it is your opinion. That's fine with me. Castaway is not on my list because it's not a sports movie. That was a nice little wisecrack by old JP, but it is not on the list. DC, yes, sir. My only question before you get into your full list, is there a theme to these sports movies? Is it just straight sports movies? Do we got comedies? Do we got parodies of sports? What do we got uh, going? We have all sorts of things within this Perfect. list. It's not just straight comedies. It's not just straight serious movies. They all are sports movies. That is the only common theme of this list, and I'm looking forward to what you guys think. So if, uh, if you guys are ready, I'm ready to fire away with this uh, pick six right here. Hit us. All right, we will start off with probably the most controversial of the six on my list. Getting the Gator right away. Number six on this list is Little Big League. 
I know it's not critically acclaimed. Oh my god. I know it's not a wonderful movie, but I really enjoy Little Big League. I've watched it numerous times. One of the only, if it might be the only sports movie that uses actual major league players in gameplay because after this movie, I don't think it was allowed. Ken Griffey Jr.'s in this movie, Randy Johnson's in this movie, Carlos Baerga, a lot of, you know, stars, Sandy Alomar Jr., Lou Pinella, a lot of big-time players are in this movie, so that's why it brings me to number six. Great start to the list, little big league. I love that you call it a great start to your list. Who doesn't love a 12-year-old <laughs> taking over being a manager of a team and just rolling that team into almost the playoffs? Just an awesome film. Champ, Number how much does MLB Network replaying this game all offseason contribute to it being in your list? Well, I do enjoy when MLB Network plays it because it's one of my favorites. I watched it a lot as a kid. I even watched it a lot in college. I had uh, in college, I had an, an old like DVD VHS TV like player where you can just pop it in. I had a little big league on VHS. I used to watch it all the time. So, yeah, it helps. You know, I like seeing it on MLB Network every now and then. You know, a little big league action. So, yeah, that's my number six. I know you might not like it, but I don't give a Move fuck. Move on. That's my number, six. <laughs> number five, The Sandlot. Just a solid, solid film. I think I don't really know a person that doesn't enjoy The Sandlot. Use one of its great quotes earlier uh, this year in our uh, movie quote segment. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Just a wonderful quote from The Sandlot. That is my number five. Number four on my list is Remember the Titans, a Denzel quality film, just a heartbreaking, emotional film throughout. Strong side. Some funny moments. There's a lot of, yeah, strong side, exactly. I mean, just a lot of great quotes within that Real movie. Real quick. One of, the, one of the great actors of our time in Denzel Washington starring in that film yes you're what right. is like when you think of remember the titans what's the one scene that sticks out to you the first thing you think about every single time there's three to uh, me that stick out but i'm curious what your guys' favorite scene is on that uh my favorite scene it's it's more of a not a scene but like a 10 minute clip it's when they go to camp and it's when they're at camp and there's all those great moments within camp sunshine singing in the locker room i mean uh, just just okay. the whole you didn't experience. get the game. Bonding. DC? Bonding <laughs> you chose all of them. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> it is obviously the pregame warm-up when they're, when they're coming out doing the song, doing the dance as their warm-up. Yes. That is definitely one of them. Up for debate as well. Moment. When Julius hugs Gary Bertier's mama, quality, like, it ended racism right then and there in that film when he did that. <laughs> the, that is very true. In that film. Very, the other one is when true. Sunshine tells whatchamacallit to let him through, and he flips the guy off his back, and then they cut to the assistant coach, go, ooh, we got a player! That is such a quality, <laughs> quality scene. The other one that I'll do a shout-out as we go through Remember the Titans is the Your Mama jokes in the locker room. Again, just all-time classic. Great. Yeah, it's a quality movie. Number four on my list. Number three on the pick six this week is Hoosiers. Uh, I Boring. think the best basketball movie ever made. Just Gene Hackman just lighting it up. Just a quality film. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember watching it a lot growing up, and I, it's just a great movie. So Hoosiers number three. Ben Affleck's basically remaking that movie right I'm now. I'm so excited for that uh, film. I saw that. That looks very good. I, I'm big. Ben it's Affleck like Hoosiers fan, so. mixed with Coach Carter. It looks like that's exactly what it is. 
Yes, exactly. Number two on the list, Field of Dreams. Just a wonderful film. If you build it, they will come. Uh, as you guys know, by listening to the show, we're all big White Sox fans. They are playing the Yankees this year at the Field of, Field of Dreams Stadium. It's going to be awesome. I love that movie. Kevin Costner, you know, just a great film. Uh, and my number one on the list, I know Jerry's going to love this answer, and it's Rudy. I know Jerry is a Fuck big Rudy. fan of Rudy Rudiger, <laughs> but Rudy, every time it comes on, I got to watch it till the end. I get emotional. I get still get chills on my spine when Rudy runs out there, you know, finally gets to play in a game. He runs out there, gets the sack, and then gets carried off by his teammates. I don't know how you can't love that as, you know, a sports fan and as a movie fan. Rudy, to me, is the best sports movie ever made. And that is my uh, pick six for this week. So you left some clear ones out to me. Um, okay. little upset that you do not have a movie Tin Cup on there. I don't know if that's your jam, but Tin Cup's an amazing film. Kevin Costner as be- well. That would be in my top 10 if it was a top 10 list. I love Tin Cup. Miracle, again, Gene Hackman. Or not Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman is not in Miracle, but uh, <laughs> Kurt, or what's his name? Kurt Russell. Thank you. Another quality film. Um, I'm trying to think what else is here. Oh, Caddyshack, Any Given Sunday. That's on my list. The, the one that I was also leaving out of my list is Major League. I love Major League, but I, I with putting Little Big League in, I couldn't justify putting them both in my top six. And the one you guys are both forgetting. Nope, I'm not. Happy I have one Gilmore. Left. Oh. Happy Gilmore. I have one more. I have two more. Happy Gilmore. Fuck, that actually upsets me. I love Happy <laughs> Gilmore. Can't believe I forgot All right, to move put one that out. on my list. If I, you know what, I'm taking out Hoosiers. Hoosiers sucks. I, I love Hoosiers, Hoosiers sucks. But I'm putting Happy in the number three Thank hole. You. I love Happy. I Happy Gilmore is probably the most quoted movie I've quoted in throughout my entire life. That and Dumb and Dumber, they're very close. Anybody? Happy's got to be on my list. Hoosiers, you have been removed, and Happy has jumped into number Anybody three. Anybody that list. tells me that they enjoy watching Hoosiers is lying. It is so boring. The basketball it's is not boring. boring. It's a good movie. It's just also worth noting that Chan doesn't move up f- four, five, and six up a spot. Just he just slides Happy Gilmore out. into the third Happy spot. Happy just goes right into the three hole. <laughs> they're hitting. They're hitting in the three Two hole. Two big misses that I was going to get to. You missed Space Jam, which was a key movie of our no, childhood. Man, that is a it's cl- fine. It's not in the worthy of. A Don't top you six. ever say anything that anything has to do with Michael Jordan is fine ever again in my presence. I'll smack you. The other, I mean, I'm currently enjoying his book right now. It's just a wonderful I told you, good recommended, right. And the second one you're missing is The Mighty Ducks, which I think is the most informative movie of our childhood. The Mighty Ducks, they're making a sequel on their television streaming series because of how great that franchise is. Be, the sequel's going to be garbage, and I think Mighty Ducks is a tad bit overrated. That's just me, but that's fine. You're out of your mind. All right. Any other thoughts on Champ's movie top six movie list, sports movies list? I'm very glad that you pointed out Happy Gilmore, DC. That's an obvious miss by me, and I'm glad now I can slide it in there at the number three hole. Just jumping, just jumping six, oh, four, and five. I'm not. I'm just. They're coming to me left and right. You didn't put Rocky <laughs> up there either. Unbelievable. Oh shit! I love Rocky. <laughs> I have them all. On, there's just so many good sports films. I had to come up with a six, and yeah, I mean Rocky is definitely move another one out. Film. I think it's only justified. Rocky, won. I think it's a little I don't big know league. Which one I'd pick though, because Rocky one is so good. Rocky four is Rocky so good. Rocky three, and the two, 
and the two creeds are just wonderful too. So it's hard to pick. I mean, if you want to pick a whole, I'll let you put the franchise in there. If you move out one movie, uh, little big league. What am I moving out? Uh, all right. I'll take out the Sandlot and I will put (laughs) in the Rocky franchise. I can't take out little big league. I love little big league. The sandlot can be dropped. Okay, out. so then how we need to stop talking about this because I don't really think anyone wants to spend ten minutes listening to this. But how can little big league only be sixth on your list if you can't take them out when you've taken two movies out? Correct. I know. I I just it's just it pulls on my heartstrings. I that's love your Gatorade of the it's, week. It's such a great movie. <laughs> I knew you guys weren't gonna love the choice of little big league, but it's okay. It's this great film. Okay. Just all right. We'll hit up Champ at Shy People's Champ on Twitter for uh, critis- critiquing his top six sports movies that we s- quickly changed around when we started poking holes through it <laughs> after he finished it. Again, it's Shy People's Champ on Twitter. All right, guys. This week's show, we figured we're getting the home stretch. There are five regular season basketball games left on the schedule, so we wanted to put together just our random thoughts, questions takeaway so far on this season and where everything's going from right now and i think the biggest reason for that is what we seemingly are taking in as iowa's overall place in the college basketball landscape so jeremy I'm gonna let you start things off but with what your observation your overall observation right now is of this iowa basketball team i, I have a little bit of a rant so i might go iso here if you guys are cool with that you guys got a couple minutes for me we'll clear yeah. out Clear out. Give me the rock because I need to dunk on some people so hard. I need to dunk on people inside sports fandom. I need to talk inside of Iowa sports fandom. I need to dunk on people inside the national college basketball media. And then when I'm done here, I just want you all to know that I'm standing over you taunting as if I'm Scottie Pippen and you are just a bunch of Patrick Ewings. So watch out below. Let me take you back just a little bit of time. Back to last March. Iowa, who was 14 and 19 a season before, found themselves back in the tournament as a 10 seed. Already a major underdog after another Franuary fade, Iowa had the tall task of having to play number seven Cincinnati, who was playing a glorified home game in Columbus. Do you guys remember this? Oh, yeah. So from the opening tip of that game, Iowa seemed to have missed something like 20 of their first 22 shots. They looked doomed. Everything was going to be over. More March sadness. Fran couldn't win the big one. But that's not what ended up happening. Instead, they found a way to create a spark late that eventually helped them knock off the AAC champion 79-72 for their first tournament win in four fucking years. A few days later... Iowa would give every single last one of us the most thrilling comeback in school history against number two seeded Tennessee. Do not ever forget the fact that it was 43 to 22 second half. Don't ever, ever forget that, guys. They were so close to their first Sweet 16 since 1999, but ultimately didn't have enough firepower left in overtime to come all the way back from that 25-point deficit to get the win. But nobody ever faulted them after that effort. All of us applauded them. All of us congratulated them. All of us were proud to be Iowa Hawkeye fans in that moment. Now, I know hindsight is always twenty twenty, but looking back on these two tournament games, that was a turning point for this program, for Fran McCaffrey and for these players. And I know a lot of you don't want to realize that or want to give justification for that, but it's true. When their season was on the line, Iowa fought and clawed and pushed and made us all swallow our words, and we all salivated watching it like proud parents. 
In that moment, faith was restored to Fran McCaffrey and company, but now we seem to forget all of that. From that point on, I want to, you guys all to remember this as well. Iowa basketball went through continuous and mountainous changes. A quick refresher. Nicholas Baer graduated. Macy Daly decided to transfer out of the program. Tyler Cook decided to enter the NBA draft. Wieskamp made us all hold our breaths and tested NBA waters before ultimately deciding to come back. Assistant coach Andrew Francis decided to leave the program. Isaiah Moss decided to transfer. Fran was ripped for his 2020 recruiting class after missing out on Xavier Foster, who chose Iowa State over the Hawkeyes with a family full of Hawkeye fans. And then immediately after that, Iowa gets the, blo- the doors blown off against DePaul, which turned out to be a not so bad, but kind of bad loss now that the Big East uh, season has started underway. Jack Nunge tore his ACL against Cal fucking Polly. Patrick McCaffrey started to face some residual health issues from the thyroid cancer he was diagnosed with so many years ago. Jobel beat the piss out of Iowa State and then ended up electing to have surgery ending his season. Rumors began to swirl about him leaving the program. CJ Frederick injured his ankle, missed a few games. Iowa took a beating from the Bug Eaters. CJ Frederick came back. Iowa gets a shit kicked out of them by Purdue and Indiana, and they lose CJ Frederick once again. And on top of all that, Cordell Pemsel gets a suspension for driving without a license. With all of that stacked against them, what has Iowa done? They watched a top 100 big man recruit turn into the best player in the fucking country. They beat the piss out of Texas Tech, Syracuse, Iowa State, and Cincinnati again in the non-conference. They have only lost a single game at home, including victories against number 12, Maryland, Minnesota by 20 points, number 19, Michigan, number 24, Rutgers, number 19, Illinois, and a sweet, sweet revenge beatdown of the Bug Eaters. They also won a game at Minnesota that they had no reason winning despite literally having zero offense without Luca Garza, who was getting jobbed by the referees the entire game. Iowa's been basically ranked inside the top 25 since Christmas, and with three home games remaining, they have a real shot of finishing the Big Ten season with 12 wins for the first time since that magical 2016 season. So please, everybody, I, I beg you, tell me again why in holy hell we're acting as if the season has been a Greek tragedy. Tell me again why Fran McCaffrey is knee-deep in shit when they lose a road game in the toughest Big Ten conference maybe we've ever seen. Tell me why Iowa fans just can't fucking let go and enjoy the ride. This was never, ever, ever supposed to be this great, and I just told you exactly why. All of that shit that hit the fan, Iowa has won despite of it. Everything has been stacked against Iowa, and here they are getting the job done despite a smorgasbord of issues, and they're going to go into the Big Ten tournament and March Madness something we all never would have expected a couple months ago. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, and I think that's the the biggest thing to take away from people that aren't watching this program on a weekly basis, on an every-game basis. They make these over-generalizing statements of wanting to pick against Iowa in the first round because they're so bad on the road. Put a little context into everything this Iowa team is accomplishing, all the things that they've experienced that Jared just went through. This is why, and it's also every time something bad happens and everyone's ready to write this team off, they come back seemingly stronger. They come back ready to attack. Everyone else is counting them out, but except for the people in that locker room, in that huddle, ready to go. And for all the outsiders who are studying, just for lack of a better term, shitting on Iowa, they need to put a little bit of better context in everything and the resiliency that this team has, has shown all year long. 100% 100% correct. You guys are both right on. I mean, Fran McCaffrey has – Jerry mentioned everything that this program has gone through, not only this season but in the offseason, losing players. 
And Fran McCaffrey's been a steady force for this team, for this program, for now, I think, the last 10 years. Uh, and he's one of the best coaches in the nation, and he deserves a little bit more love from the national media. I, I mean, all I do is read about all these other coaches that are doing such a great jo job, but Fran gets no love. And it's, it's tired, and it's ridiculous, and I think if they continue to win and if they make a Sweet 16 this year or if they go deep next year, maybe he'll finally start getting some love. I mean, they just beat Minnesota at Minnesota with, what, seven scholarship players? Yeah, and their second-leading scorer scoring two points. And Luca Garza being in foul trouble. Cordell Pemzel played more <laughs> minutes than Luca Garza in the last game. That should tell you enough about how, how much Luca was in foul trouble thanks to two ridiculous offensive foul calls by the referees in the first half of that game. Absolute joke. And so, go ahead, Jer. It, it no, it's just like, you guys are right. It's just it's so frustrating. Today, the Athletic we were recording this on Tuesday. The Athletic had a piece up, kind of doing a roundtable of what they expect for the end of year. You know, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year type awards. Who's going to win in the NCAA tournament? Who's the favorite? Um, that type of situation. And Fran McCaffrey wasn't even mentioned. And Luca Garza had like a one-off statement, but he wasn't in anybody's top five receiving votes for National Player of the Year with people giving favorites to the kid from Dayton. Now, I don't disagree that that kid's any, like anything to like slight at, but guys like Luca Garza is unstoppable and nobody's giving anybody credit for this, this season. I just, I don't just understand give you an it. idea of how incredible Luca Garza has been. Scott Doctorman tweeted this out on Monday in big 10 play. No one has averaged more than 21.6 points per game since 2000. Luca Garza is now currently this year averaging 26.7 points per game. The last player to exceed that in Big Ten play was Glenn Robinson in 1994. These kids, these kids were two Special. years old when that happened. These guys playing right now are two to six years old when this when that last happened. Yeah, we were six, seven. <laughs> Math yeah. never, never just true. So I mean, and. That just goes to show you, he's been so remarkable, and that's he's been a big reason why this team's been so good. But also, to Champ's point, he did, was in foul trouble versus in on the road at Minnesota, and this team, and their second-leading scorer only scored two points. And guess what happened? They still won. It's been, Luka deserves way more attention, as Jared's kind of alluding to here. But Champ's also right. This team is coming together, and they, they pick each other up when they need it, need it most. And... To me, it's just it's so frustrating to kind of get this point and now getting to the point where I was had this great season and they're not getting acknowledged for it, considering everything that's going on. And it's super, super frustrating. And it's kind of it's getting to a point that's just ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous at this point. Our own fan base isn't seeming to recognize it either. It's like the minute that they exceeded our first expectations, well, now we're going to just drop a bunch of other ones that aren't even fair at this point, knowing that we're only playing seven scholarship basketball players and the mountain of injuries that we've had. And the, they don't take into consideration that this conference in and of itself is so damn difficult. It's the best I, conference in the nation. And it's, what? it shows that every game, every game is a close game. And it's hard as hell to win on the road in this conference. And Iowa got an, a huge win this week against Minnesota. And they moved up, at least in the AP rankings. I fully expected them to move down despite getting a huge win on the road because it's just ridiculous, like you guys have said. But, yeah, I mean, it's time to start showing some love. 
from our own fan base. I mean, come on, guys. A little love for this team, what they've accomplished, what they're going to continue to accomplish the rest of this year. We need to start supporting them a lot more than I read on Twitter and what I see. It's it's getting ridiculous. All right, champ. Let's go to the next. Your your first observation that for the rest of this team that's made this year and kind of what's it looking like moving forward the rest of the way this season. Uh, I'm going to go with my boy Connor McCaffrey. And I think elevating his game, even being a, you know, a steady, steady player for this year, I think going into this year, we all had thoughts of we didn't even really want Connor to be playing basketball. We all, I think, said <laughs> stick to baseball, Connor. The only reason you're playing is because your father is the coach. But Connor McCaffrey, like we've said all year, is has the first is number one in college basketball and assists to turnover ratio. He did not turn the ball over one time in Minnesota, and he had seven assists. Huge, absolutely huge in this last game. I understand he has offensive limitations, and that's fine. Everybody can talk about how he's a under forty percent three point shooter. That it's ugly. I don't need to hear all that. He's don't a, care. He's a steady, steady player for this team, and he's the one of the only guys that can get Luca the Luca guards the ball in a position where he can score effectively. He's the best down low passer that we have. He's really the only one that can get him the ball with consistency. And Connor McCaffrey has played great defense all year. He's been a great distributor, and he's been a solid, solid force for this team. And it's great to see. And, Champ, to build on that, I mean, you, you mentioned it that his offense overall this whole season hasn't been, you know, the best out of what you might want on the starting point guard. But down the stretch, he's been a little – he's been better offensively. Yeah. I mean, hit, he, hit a he's big consistent. free throw. I mean, I know he missed the front end, but hit a big free throw at the end of that game to get it to three. But, even with, having, his, uh, but even with his three-point shot, it's not going to be the most consistent thing out there. But it's he's still been able to, to knock it down and make people – at least pay a little bit for leaving him open to let him take that shot. Yeah, without a doubt. He had uh, three big threes in the home game uh, against Illinois to get that win. Played pretty well against Nebraska at home, too. I mean, Those are huge shots against that Illinois he, game. I mean, he's been great all year. I mean, I don't think we could have expected any more than what he's given us this season. I think an underrated piece to Connor McCaffrey's gameplay this season on top of all that that he's doing like in the physical basketball sense is that he is it's not so much that he's a leader on the floor but he's more so the target on the floor and what I mean is like he's the target by the officials so instead of like Luca and Wheezy getting pissed off and maybe like going to the officials and grinding them out he's doing what Fran does on the sideline but on the floor and I think there's something to be said about that because not only do the other players see that he's kind of taken like he's the one that's going to go and he's going to go talk he's gonna, he's a lot like his father he's very fiery <laughs> but I think there's just something to the fact that like when Connor gets pissed everybody else is pissed too and then they all kind of raises or play around that too i i can count on the top of my five times right now at the top of my head where like something's happened to this iowa team that wasn't fair connor started mouthing off and getting pissed off and then all of a sudden the next play down Iowa's scoring some sort of quick basket and then things start to flow again and i think that his mentality his energy his presence a lot like joakim noah in that sense to where like he was just the emotional leader on this team while luca might be getting the star status and wheezy's like the guy we need to depend on at, at all times Connor's that guy that just feeds the energy to everybody else. And that's actually a really – I love the Joe Keem comparison in terms of being that heart, being that 
that person on the court to kind of be the extension of the head coach, that the heart, the soul type of thing. But I think one thing he has to kind of worry about, and we're going to get into this a little bit right now, is if he runs his mouth a little bit too much and pulls the technicals like his dad does, it leads to some question marks on the bench side of the point guard play. I think you've seen Bakari Evelyn, who I, I was very high on coming into the season, being a grad transfer, being being what, what basically Connor McCaffrey has been to come this year, is that studying force, get the ball in, get the ball up the floor into Luka Garza, let the offense kind of run, let the offense operate. And Joe Jusson being a freshman, you're getting a lot more inconsistent play from those two guys right now. And the question is, if come tournament time, whether it's the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, who's going to be that more reliable option off the bench for Frank McCaffrey? Because he's already playing with a limited deck in terms of the number of guys he can go with. To me, like, Champ, where do you think, I mean, out of Toussaint and Bakari Evelyn, who would, do you trust more going into tournament time? I, as much as I hate to say it because Bakari Evelyn has been horrendous for most of the season, right now the way that they're playing, I think I have more confidence in Bakari Evelyn. The last two games he's had extended minutes. He's had a lot of minutes where he's been the ball handler. And I think he was a steadying force in that Minnesota game. He hit a big three when they doubled Luka down low, kicked it out to Bakari. He hit that three, so we're 1-0 and in the Bakari three-o-meter uh, <laughs> uh, because I don't think he's hit a three since we came up with that about seven or eight games ago. He hit a big three there. And Joe Toussaint, to me, he shows flashes where he can get to the rim and he's got that speed that nobody else on Iowa has. But then he just disappears. I mean, he, he, the teams are – slagging off him on defense, giving him seven to eight feet because they know he can't knock down that shot. And for that reason, Fran isn't really can't really trust playing him as many minutes as he would like to, I'm sure. He only played 12 minutes against Minnesota, and that was with our shortest bench of the season. And if he can't play more than that in that type of game, I think I'm going to trust Bakari Evelyn. He's a senior. He's played in big games before. And I think going forward, I think he's going to be you know, a key player off that bench and is going to get more minutes down the stretch than Joe Toussaint. Jerry, would you trust putting in some Joe Toussaint in as a second unit if the offense is lagging, you need something to kind of – you need a spark type of thing? Give the ball to Toussaint, let him sprint up the court, see what he can do on the offensive side to give a little spark of this team. Goes into a scoring drought that we've seen lately that keeps popping up lately. No, I still think I'd rather have Bakari Evelyn on that second unit um, just because of that calming presence. But I think Toussaint is a very interesting case. And I've been working on this theory that it all depends on what happens with the first shot that he attempts in the game. I feel like when he when he makes that first shot, he generally ends up playing more minutes than Bakari because he has that instant confidence from not only being a starter, but being a starter and he saw the bucket. Like he saw he saw his shot go in. And from there he's just playing with a confidence that he doesn't have if he misses that first one. And I think that just to do with him being a freshman who, like you mentioned, Champ, he's he's fast and he he's always playing at a high level and he's gonna be that defensive specialist, but I mean, of the last five games, I think he's only played more minutes than Bakari Evelyn one time, and that was against Nebraska in a blowout. So I think Fran's showing you who he trusts more, but I still think that Tucson has a moment or two, whether it's in the Big Ten tournament or in March Madness, where we're going to look and be like, holy shit, this is the kid who's just starting to figure this out. He's going to take that step 
going into next year? He just, for me, Joe Toussaint just needs to play more under control. He gets he gets ahead of his skis a little bit too much for me. He's he totally. goes down the court and he's going just so fast that he doesn't have any control over the shots that he's putting up in the lane. Yes, he can get to the rim, but if you get to the rim and you bang it off the backboard, what does that do for Iowa? It doesn't do a whole lot, except then now the other team is on fast breaks because Joe Toussaint is beating the entire team down the court and is leaving you know his defense in a, in a precarious position when he doesn't finish at the lane. If he can play with a little more control, I understand – his jump shot needs to get better, and that, as he goes through his career at Iowa, I think he's going to become a more consistent shooter. He's only a freshman. Everybody knows that. But if he can just play with a little more control, I think he can still bring something to this team because, like Jer said, he's very good defensively. He's a ball hawk defensively, so he can bring that and you know bring that energy that's needed if guys are tired and he needs to create more offense. This is going to be a blasphemous statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. Joe Toussaint needs to have that Derrick Rose. He needs to tap into that Derrick Rose side of his game. When Derrick was his prime MVP offensively, he could cut down the court as fast as anybody else, but he also had to stop and he would he had that floater over big guy. Joe Toussaint needs to have that he needs to develop that floater over that big guy. He needs to tap into his Derrick Rose offensively because he has that in his game. That could be his game. A hundred percent. The situation with Tucson is that he's always been the faster, more athletic guy all until up until now. So he hasn't had to develop that type of game where Derek was always an undersized guy. He was fast, but he had to figure out ways early, especially in his high school career, how to be able to get shots up over these giant dudes. Um, and then the athleticism and the speed came with it. So yeah, DC, you're hundred percent right. If he can develop that type of, that type of offensive game this summer, he's going to be so lethal next season. Because it's all there. It's all there. You just got to put it together. Yeah. I mean, so all in all, the point guard position with Connor, Bakari Evelyn, Joe Toussaint, it's, it's hard to be – And a Euless coming in. Well, for, for the rest of this season. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a question about Euless. Is that the, the other Euless's younger brother? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That excites me. Because <laughs> they were pretty damn good college basketball players. Yeah, the other brother was better, and he spurned us, yeah. though. Uh, well, that sucks. This one only had offers from DePaul, Illinois, Chicago, New Mexico, Northern Illinois, so don't get too excited. All right. Well, <laughs> got excited with the last name. <laughs> on that, and then we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with more observations on the season and where it's, where it's leading. We'll be right back. We are back. We are making our observations on the 2019-2020 Iowa basketball season and where it's going the rest of this year and maybe looking a little bit ahead to next year and, and, and the near future after that. Jared, why don't you kick us off next with the next observation that you want to make on this season? So my next observation on this season, if everything stayed the same with injuries, how many coaches do you think in all of college basketball – would have been able to coach this Iowa team to the same record or better. Obviously, Shaka Smart. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, no, to be talk about falling off the face of the to earth. To be honest, I there's not there's not many. This is this Correct. has been an amazing coaching job. Uh, yes. So off the top, off the top of my head, there's. There's three or four guys that I would have trusted doing this, and I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but Bob Huggins comes to mind because I just always feel like he's always like he'll be able to come up with some sort of defensive specialty to be able to like win these types of games. Although this team, I think, although this team is not a Bob Huggins team defensively. 
They're not, but I just <laughs> love Bob Huggins. they can press like Huggies teams do. They're pretty damn good in the press. They have the, athlete, the athleticism to be able to do so, especially with Toussaint. Maybe Toussaint would become a star under Bob Huggins faster, only because he'd get a billion steals a game by running that like main guy in the press. Um, yep. Mark Few is another one that I think would be able to make this thing, this situation work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also always will give my boy Tom Mizzle some love. I think he's figured out ways in the past with very big injured rosters to continue to be good. And outside of that, like, look at look at what Roy Williams is doing right now at UNC. They're fucking garbage. Mm-hmm. I ha- I have one other name that I think we all love, and it's Coach Cal. That's probably the only other guy I would put up there with those other I don't names. Know if- Cal's never had to do this type of injury thing, and when they do get injured, there's just another five-star recruit that was just going to rest that entire season well, behind him. that's part of Coach Cal is he recruits but, but very well. It's the so hand he was dealt, guys. champ. I'm talking about he has to come with in and this coach roster. Iowa team given the same mm, type yes, of roster. Yeah, then no. I'm Jay not. Wright's the fourth one. I had three to four names. That's the other one I think would be able to come up with some because the offensive solution, it's like opposite of Bob Huggins. But my point is that there's – not many coaches out there, guys, that would be able to put this together and piece this together and not just hem and haws way to 15 wins and just call God's like, act of God. So start showing some love to Fran McCaffrey, Iowa fans. You hear that? Start showing him some fucking love. Do you guys think he doesn't get that love because of his antics and his blowups and his... A hundred percent. That's exactly why. I think that's the reason. Because Iowa fans, a lot of Iowa fans are fine with a guy who sits on his hands, is calm, a la, you know, before Kirk became new Don't Kirk. Don't do it. That's Don't what do Kirk it. was before. He wasn't a fiery guy until the last, what, seven, eight years maybe? I mean, it's the start of his career. Once cut blocking started getting called, that's what really fired <laughs> yeah, his ass up. I mean, that's what I, a lot of Iowa fans like that. They don't want to mess with the status quo. They don't want a guy that's fiery, that's going to get thrown out of games, that's going to, you know, berate officials when they make horrible fucking calls, like in that Indiana game when a guy literally smacks the backboard and they don't call a goaltend. Fran McCaffrey should have taken a chair and thrown it on the court. That's how bad that call was. He he should have got teed, and he did. But I do think that's a huge reason why, D.C., is Iowa fans don't really like that type of fire. But we do on this show. So keep listening. You know, who, definitely you know who else likes that type of fire? The players that play for him. Every single player, yes. especially the ones who already left the program, all they do is talk about how much they love how he has their back at all times. Players coach. I mean, look at what Tyler Cook's tweets this year. I mean, just go yes. to Tyler Good Cook's point. timeline. Everybody talked about how Tyler Cook didn't like playing for Iowa and didn't mm-hmm. like Fran McCaffrey. That's absolute nonsense. All year he's had Fran McCaffrey's back. He's been so supportive of this team and of Coach McCaffrey. So that's all you need to know about the Iowa players and their love for Fran. Do you think if Fran leaned more into his Bobby Knight-esque type role as a coach that we would like to end up liking him more? I feel like there's like there's like this middle ground with Fran right now that like he's halfway in and halfway out and he needs to pick a lane. Like he just needs to commit all the way to either being Bobby Knight or all the way to being the clapper. Well, I think you're asking the wrong show because I think the three of us would like it if he if he leaned into it even more. But I I do agree with you. I think part of what people are so polarized on him is that he's he's half he's in the middle. He's got to commit one way or the other here. I kind of I we're gonna speak for all Iowa fans and usually we're wrong, but I'll say they I'll say they like it. I said that they'd be more for it if they knew that he was passionately defending 
his guys at every possible wrong turn. And yeah, I mean, I'm that's not- what he does. I mean, the only thing he doesn't do that Bob Knight did is choke his players and throw <laughs> chairs onto the court. So we don't need that type of shit anyway. He's I passionately mean, he defending his player. He did break a chair before, but he's never <laughs> thrown on the court like Bobby did multiple times. Love so, Bobby Knight. I mean, he was a crazy man, but that's fine. He I love it. Won. That's how Fran is. That's how we embrace it. He If he gets suspended every now and then, he gets suspended. That's fine. He got suspended for, what, two games last year? They ended up going one and one in those two games. It wasn't a huge thing, and everybody made it out to be this you know, monumental thing because he went after an official after the game. That's eh, nonsense. Honestly, Honestly, these officials suck so much that they deserve it. I love it. Speaking of that, Frank Garza's tweet uh, after that game of oh. the screenshot of his son, Luca, getting just mauled by all five defenders in Minnesota, and it's still not really being called a foul. And him just asking a simple question as to why. There's another uh, tweet out there about, Officials just need to get out in front of the media and say, we don't know how to officiate this game with Luca Garza. He's too big. He's too strong. He's too good. And we're going to try our best to get better at it, but we just were confused. Yeah. And to me, that's the absolute thing. But going back to the Fran haters, besides his antics, are, is there a tangible reason, tangible result, Jerry, in your mind, of why people just don't like Fran? Is it, is it his production in conference play? Is it like something like where, like where do, you, what else? What other legs do people have to stand <laughs> on to not like the job he's done in Iowa? That's what's just so interesting. It's like uh, people don't want to give him credit for bringing us out of this abyss, and they now it's just like let's harp on the fact that he can't seem to land these like big big time recruits, despite the fact that I feel like he's brought in more recruits than we've ever seen before. Um, as far as just like actual ability, he brought in Aaron White, he brought in Jared Utoff, he's brought in Luca Garza, he brought in uh, Woodbury and Mike Azell. Like, I, I don't know how many more guys you want him to bring in like this at the end of the day. It's your guys' favorite line for the football team. It's Iowa, after all. <laughs> like, what? Uh, yes, in the Midwest, basketball is a very prevalent sport, but at the same time, when you have the Coach Cows and Coach K's coming in, what is he supposed to do outside of paying and dropping bags? You want to win, graduate, do it right all the time? Or do you want to drop bags? Pick a lane. That's what I'm talking about. Just pick a fucking lane and stick to it. If you hate him, hate him all the time. But if Iowa goes and starts winning these games or wins four of the last five, don't start clapping all of a sudden and be like, I always fucking knew that Fran was going to pull it together in, Fran- in Franuary. I'm tired of it. It, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's you could argue that he's the what's hurt him. He's brought in too many guys, and he hasn't figured out how to use them all properly. <clears throat> Great point. All right, champ. Where do you want to go next? Where's the next observation you want to go with? Uh, I'm gonna go to my boy Joey Wee's camp. Uh, I just have a question. What does Weezy have to do to find more consistency with his offense? And then to follow up on that question, can Iowa go deep in either the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament uh, without consistent production from him? I will start with my answer. (laughs) I don't know if they can. I mean, they're going to need a – yes, they got this win against Minnesota and he only scored two points, but they need Wheezy to find more consistency. I just don't understand it, how he can have games like Nebraska where he just looks like he's a – 
complete dominant player, and he's going to be a future first-round pick in the NBA. And he can go out, he can score 30 points in multiple different ways. It wasn't like he hit 10 threes against Nebraska. He was hitting threes. He was getting seals down low, getting easy baskets. He was getting scores off the dribble, hitting, you know, 15-footers. And then he can go work games like against Minnesota where he, he was non-existent. He, every time he would get the ball, if he wasn't forcing a shot, he was getting rid of it. He, I mean, these guys can't be that good of defenders against Joe Wieskamp where he can just not score in an entire game. I, I, he's got too much talent to me, and he's got to find more consistency. I don't know what you guys think, but it just it, it frustrates me because he shows what he can do, and then he's, he puts up games where he's just literally just not there. He, the guys are – playing that quote-unquote good of defense against him where he's just non-existent, and I don't understand it. Jer, take us in the mind of somebody who can never – there's never a shot you don't like to take. That's what I'm saying. Right, so the floor is In my mind, my mind right now, like, if Wieskamp has another one of these types game, type of games, I'm going to ask Mackenzie Meyer to, to pull a Joanna man and come on the court in her, in her boyfriend's jersey because, I mean, that's how pathetic it's been recently. She drained a half-court shot in that video that came out the other day for Valentine's Day. Let's just go and put her in the uniform. Wheezy, you have to be better. And I think he's going to figure it out. I think maybe he's pressing a little too much. I think that the defense is obviously keying on two things, and the rest of the team isn't capable right now of figuring out ways to score. So when Luka is just getting beat the shit out of down low, then anything that comes out, they're keying on Wieskamp and daring everybody else to shoot. That's a very hard thing to do offensively. But he's going to have to figure it out. These are what great players do. That's what we expect Wieskamp to be. And there was the thing that keeps coming to my mind is Matt Gaten last year these last five games going into the Big Ten tournament he turned it on and was spectacular that's what I'm expecting from Wieskamp to start doing as of Thursday against Ohio State I think this is the key time for him to start getting hot now and every everybody knows if you get hot now going into March anything could happen and if Wieskamp can figure out how to get his shots up and have them start falling this is going to be a very dangerous Iowa team still yeah ask Kemba Walker what happens when you get hot um Ooh. But to answer your second question, Champ, I truthfully, if if Wheezy and if CJ comes back, if they're not getting consistent outside outside production from b- people besides Luca Garza, I personally don't think that this team is going to be able to go deep in either tournament. Because I think if they're not, if those shots aren't falling, and Luca's getting double and triple teamed, eventually refs are going to just stop calling fouls. They're just going to want the game to keep moving and keep going. So Luca's going to get mauled, and they're not going to be able to generate anything offensively. Yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games in the Big Ten and in the NCAA tournament by scoring in the mid-50s like they did against Minnesota. Yes, it worked because Minnesota, let's face it, isn't very good besides, you know, Turu. The rest of that team isn't very good. That's why they're right at 500. Uh, but to be able to do that and advance in the tournament, it's not going to work. You're going to have to be able to – put up some baskets and hit some outside shots. There was a point in that game that was it was like midway through the second half and Iowa had made one three. That's not gonna get it done. No, you're right. No. All right, Joe, let me ask you a question since Champ asked the last question. Who is the most important player going to March Madness and not named Luca Garza and tell me why it isn't Cordell Pemsel? 
It is Cordell Pemsel. It's 100% Cordell Pemsel. Because like we talked about at the top of this show, there's only a certain amount of players that are scholarship athletes that are able to play. And now outside of Connor McCaffrey, with C.J. Frederick being out and not really knowing what we're going to get from Tucson, Bakari, Evelyn, Cordell Pemsel is the best passer that we have. And he's also capable of making some long-range shots. If he could go out there and average about 15 to 19 minutes and give us about 10 points, which is champs like soft spot for the Ryan Whoa, Clears of the world. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> 10 points. Cordell Pemsel hasn't scored 10 points all year. Now you want him to do that consistently? Yeah. Why not? That, I don't agree. I, I, for my... For me, with that question, DC, he was four away the other day. He was three for three. I think it's Ryan Creener. I think Ryan Creener is more important than Cordell Pemsel. He showed it. I called my shot pregame. I said he was going to have a big game, scoring double figures, give him about twenty-five minutes. He did that. He's. I mean, he can make those interior passes to Luca too. He made a couple nice ones in that Minnesota game. I think he's going to get more playing time than Pemsel, and I think he's more important. Uh, to the future of this Iowa team because he's going to start until C.J. Frederick comes back. They're going to go with the two bigs, I think, for most games. Maybe, sure. you know, matchup-wise, Bakari Evelyn may get a start or two at the end of the year. But for the most part, I think Kreener's going to be your starter. And if he can provide what he did, not only on the offensive side of the ball against Minnesota, but he I think he had four blocks against Minnesota. He was damn good defensively. But, Champ, that, that point goes back to why Coriel Pemsel is so important going down the rest of the stretch. If they're playing two big guys, starting two big guys at the, at the start, Pemsel's going to come off the bench and, and give them both a break. So him, yeah, him put the words right on my him, mouth. Giving them solid minutes that aren't just killing them is going to be critical down the stretch. I mean, he played 29 minutes against Minnesota. I, I would have never thought that Cordell no, Pemsel would play that many minutes for the entire season. No, I mean, it, I think Jared's right. I think it is Cordell Pemsel. I think you can make the case for the bench point guard to step up behind behind Connor, but I, I really do think Luca. It's he's navigated the big time play really well, but he's. I th- eventually got to wear down a little bit. I mean, he's starting to get in foul trouble. More fouls called against him late down the stretch this year. Who knows how refs are going to call games in the tournaments. Pemsel's going to be a, a key player down this stretch going into March for, for the rest of this team. Plus, he's five fouls that are very important. That's also very true. All right, Jerry, where do you want to go next? I want to talk about Frank Garza because, honestly, I think he's a madman. <laughs> Like a legit psychopath. And I don't deny that he could probably help all three of us lose a lot of weight really, really quickly. But like when I see him react sometimes when the camera cuts to him and his son's getting completely obliterated, like he kind of frightens me a little bit. And like in that I might murder you if you do not run these wind sprints as fast (laughs) as I'm telling you to run them type of way. I don't know if you guys agree or not. I love Frank Garza. I love the Peacock stuff. I love his support of this basketball team. But him as a person, I, it's I'm, you know what else is creepy is that he's always there. Like he's just always, how? always there. He always finds like he doesn't follow the Blackheart Gold Pants Twitter account. But anytime the Blackheart Gold Pants Twitter account mentions him or his son, it gets retweeted by Frank. It's like he doesn't sleep. It's just he's like a, he's a horror movie character, and he's just always there for you. He's fully entrenched in his son's career, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I sat behind Frank Garza during the Nebraska game, and I watched some of his antics. 
And he is a little insane. He's like always doing like manic things with his hands. He's running his hands through his hair a lot during the game. Beautiful hair. He's just killer hair. He looks you, generally uncomfortable for most of the game because he's so like manic throughout it. But I mean, it's his son, and he he expects big things out of Luca. He fucking trained him the entire offseason and has literally made Luca probably want you know one of the better players in all of Iowa history uh, with the season that he's putting up so good for him good for Frank he's investing in his son and it's gonna pay off when Luca's an NBA player two things and one goes back into Luca so we'll get back onto the actual team in a second but we always seem to make fun of the coat of the quarterbacks dads in the stands of football games when they're short on TV all the time Frank Gus just doesn't get that type of mockery because I think people are scared of him correct like, think about all oh, the different boy. quarterbacks that, like, Trent Green's always in the stands at Northwestern games. Uh, who was the Purdue quarterback who was, his dad was always in the stands, like, two years ago? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? I know who you're talking about. But I can't think of his name. They showed them this. Blau? Was it Blau? No. no. This, these same or more than what they show Frank Garza, and we would ridicule that. We see Frank Garza on screen, and everyone's just like, oh, there's Frank, where it's just, we're not going to address it because even though it's kind of weird, we're just going to leave it alone. And I'm now afraid that I've said this on, on audio, and he's going <laughs> to listen to me and hunt me down. He's definitely hearing this. <laughs> The second thing. I love you, Frank. We love you, baby. Don't worry. We love, We're not coming we love letting you. the peacock fly, Frank. All love, my man. The other thing related back to the basketball team is Luca Garza. Who's the last player to have, in all of college basketball, to have a development path like Luca Garza? It, can you, is, does anybody come to mind who went, who's been a contributor, who's been a good player, but then just completely morphed into a national player of the year contender? Does anybody come to mind? Either one of you can jump in. No. Honestly, no. I, I've never seen a season like this, to, to be honest with you. Right, and people are just, just pissing it away. Sorry not to bring them back up. But. <laughs> I, it's, it's just it's remarkable. Like, there's not enough things. I know we've literally, Champ, you and I did a whole podcast episode on just Luca, and it's very easy to do, but I still don't feel like we appreciate it enough. We don't. We don't. And when when he's gone, if it's after this year or after next year, maybe then people will start appreciating it. But they should be appreciating it as he's playing because he's absolutely dominating games. There was no other offensive player on the floor that anybody was scared of against Minnesota. And Luca Garza still managed to score 26 points against that gopher team that was doubling, tripling, quadruple teaming him for much of that game. He's an absolute monster and he can't be stopped. And if he doesn't win Player of the Year, they shouldn't even give out the award anymore. The bigger, if he doesn't win, doesn't win Player of the Year, the bigger snub: Luke, or Keith Duncan not getting a Lou Groza Award, <sighs> or uh, Luca Garza not getting National Player of the Year. As much as I love Keith Duncan, <laughs> it's definitely Luca Garza because he's still a kicker. Keith was huge for the Hawkeye football team. I'm not going to say he wasn't, but I mean, Luca is literally the entire Iowa team right now, especially with Frederick out. They, everybody knows he's going to get the ball. They still bring extra pressure, and he still scores. I mean, to me, there, there are quite a few games where Keith Duncan was the only offense the Iowa football team had. True. Robert Marv was the quarterback. Ah, thank you, Chair. And also, just letting you know, we still managed to work football into a show that we talked all basketball. Per use. All right, Champ, where do you want to go next? Do you want to look a little ahead to next year, maybe? Uh, yeah. 
let's do a little next year action. Uh, so, Jobo might return. We don't know if he is or if he's not. That's Everybody keeps talking about it. Uh, and Garza and Wheezy, do we think they're leaving? What do we, what do we think? What's going to be like the scholarship distribution if they do leave? Uh, it scares me to think of a team next year without Luca and Wheezy, but uh, what do you guys think? Before we get to that... Because I think we also have one other thing we want to like tie us all together. Because everyone's already hyping up next year. Jobo coming back. Garza, Wheezy coming back. And this team will be even better next year with everybody coming back. Do you guys think that? Like, We'll get into the scholarship in a second, Champ. But do you believe if, if everybody comes back and the same teams on the floor, plus all the new, the new freshmen, is this team going to be better than what they're doing this year? Yes. A hundred percent yes. If you add Jordan <laughs> Bohannon to this team and give him meaningful minutes, they're going to just take off. And give me Jordan Bohannon with two healthy hips. Give me the Tennessee Jordan Bohannon when he was going off in that game. This team is going to be damn good. So you guys, even we talk, though what we talked about last week with the bench points and the more a bench plays, the arguably worse the team is, relatively speaking, that they're mm-hmm. going to be able to figure out how to get all of those guys good enough playing time to contribute in meaningful ways. 100%. Okay. Yes. Because, right, Bakari, Evelyn, Cordell Pemsel, and Riley Till will not be playing. That's fair. And Ryan, Ryan Kreener will have graduated. Correct. So those there's four there's four types of positions right there that you're going to fill in with Jack Nungy off of fresh ACL. Patrick McCaffrey, who everybody keeps forgetting, is probably one of the most – talented athletes on this team in pure basketball players and scorers if you can fill out and remain healthy. Jordan Bohannon on top of it, like that's the biggest problem right now. And CJ Frederick comes back, who I th- I've i already told you guys how much I love him. But that's the problem right now. Luke is getting beat up and he's still going off for 26 a game. Imagine if they have all these shooters on the outside and they can't just pick on Wheezy and Garza anymore. This is an elite team if they all come back. Any concerns, though? On, an, on yes. guys not getting touches and being inconsistent. Oh, uh, it's it's bas- I know like everybody wants to do. There's only one basketball thing, but who fucking cares? Like go win a go go to the final four. That's what these kids want. Okay, well then what? You, yeah. Then, yeah. then what four. is your concern, Jerry? My concern is that Luca Garza is going to go get his money, and he deserves it. So you think even though he's not showing up, popping up in any NBA mock drafts yet, he's going to still leave early if in. And go to the NBA. I, I give two shits about a mock draft. All I know is the player that I've watched this season is very capable of walking into the NBA next year and starting on a lot of different teams because of his ability to shoot from the outside and get buckets on the post. And he runs the floor. That is a very talented big man that today's NBA can use. And with him and Wieskamp, like Wieskamp was in a mock draft the other day. So I like I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to test the waters, and they should. And if Luka decides he's going to go get his money because he's going to be a top 10 pick or top 15 pick and he wants to cash in and have his dad be his personal trainer all the time that he could pay and like have him retire, I, I can't blame the kid. He's had a hell of a season. I, I, don't, I don't blame the guy either. I'm, I'm So let's – People are going to hate this show. Well, they're going to hate the end of the show because we're going to get a little <laughs> real here because the real thing written on Blackheart Gold Pants this week is the current basketball scholarship distribution for next year is not great. we got five incoming freshmen coming into the team, and there's already not enough scholarships to go around. So people have to leave. There has to be some change, or some people aren't going to be on this team coming into next year. And 
we we caused a little bit of a stir back when the Jobo rumors were going around that he might be looking or looking to to leave. I think he's embraced that rumor and has trolled the hell out of Iowa Twitter with it, and either making his profile picture black, saying guys are coming back, and they're announcing it as of today, the day we're recording here, that that Luke is coming back. There's going to be change, and so out of the guys who could potentially leave. Garza, Wheezy, let's throw Jobo in there. Who are you most worried about losing? Is it Garza or is it a guy like Jobo or Wheezy? I think Garza's coming back. I think he's going to play four years at Iowa. I think the two guys that they should be most concerned about losing are Wheeze Camp and Jordan Bohannon because Jobo has already put it out there that he, it might not, he might not be coming back. Ryan Creener's not going to be on this team anymore. That's his best friend. I mean... Those would be the two guys I would be most concerned about. For me, I think Luka's going to come back. I think he's going to just be a dominant player again next year, and that's only going to improve his draft stock. Uh, and I'm actually I'm not even that concerned about Wheezy because he's so inconsistent, like we've discussed. Yes, he has flashes of greatness, but I think another year under his belt, working under Fran and getting more consistent would only help him. So it's Jordan Bohannon for me. I... I I I just don't know. Like, is he gonna leave? Is he is a blue blood? Is he gonna, gonna be fully him? healthy? Yeah. Is he gonna be a fully healthy guy next year? If he is, is he gonna want to play his last year? You know, with a quote unquote, you know, blue blood, a Kentucky, a North Carolina, a Duke, someone like that, I, I, a Kansas. I don't know. That so that would be the guy I'd be most concerned about. Jerry, how do you think the scholarship distribution works itself out going into next year? Uh, I think guys like. Till and Pemsel maybe grad transfer, transfer out to go get minutes somewhere else. I think those guys are smart enough to know the writings on the wall. Like they're not going to play. They're just not going to play, and that's okay. Like just go find other minutes somewhere else. Do what Maisie Daly did. Like, it's fine. But I think those situations plus Creener leaving plus um, I mean that's really about it. I I think it eventually works itself out. People transfer out, but I do think that there's going to be one. Big name that's not going to be coming back or is going to declare for the NBA draft of the three. I do not know which it is. I just have a feeling that one of them aren't going to return. I get that feeling too. I don't know. Again, don't know who. It just. I feel like it's Jobo. Honestly, I really do. I I don't even know anymore, man. I he I think he's trolled enough where it's just he's muddied the water so much that I don't know what to believe anymore. I just pray that it's not Luca Garza because I'll be depressed for like a week straight of crying if he leaves. All right, we unless he takes us to the Final Four this year, then go ahead, Luca, enjoy the NBA, baby. Perfect transition, champ. We need to end this on a very positive note. Give me your, I guess, tournament, your Big Ten tournament prediction, and how far this team is going in the NCAA tournament. Champ, start with you. Uh I think the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to make it to the championship game in the Big Ten tournament. I think they lose the championship game, but I think they're going to make it. I think it's going to be a great weekend for Iowa, and I think they're going to go to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to be a five seed going in, and I think they're going to have a pretty decent draw, hopefully. Maybe a four seed gets knocked off, or it's a team that they can pound down low. Obviously, we have no idea what the bracket's going to be, but I just have a good feeling that this team, led by Luca Garza, led by Fran McCaffrey, is going to be a Sweet 16 uh, team this year and play in the title game uh, in the Big Ten tournament. All right, there you have it. Uh, Jared, what is your thought on this team? Um, this team... <laughs> 
<laughs> you were literally just went on a, on a three-minute rant about why everyone needs to believe in this team. What do you got? Come on, optimism. All right. All right. Then I was going to win four of the last five basketball games. They're going to get the double bye in the Big Ten tournament. They're going to win that game. They're going to play on Sunday. They're going to lose. But then they're going to go into March Madness as a four seed. They're going to beat and upset their way to the Sweet 16 for the first time, lose, return everybody going to the next year, and then we'll be a Final Four team with the potential to actually win a national championship. This is the team to bet on in all of Iowa men's athletics to get to the promised land that's not wrestling. How about that? I love it. I'm not even going to give a prediction because that was just too good. That was beautiful. I love that. Get on board, everybody. Get on board, ladies and gentlemen. Any other thoughts, guys, before we wrap the show this week? Support us in supporting the basketball team. (laughs) Well said, Jerry. Support us by subscribing to the show, sharing the show with your friends, Tell a friend to tell a friend on Twitter in real life. If you're sitting in Carver Hawkeye Arena, tell somebody to download, subscribe. Actually, just take their phone, subscribe on their behalf, and give their phone back to them. That way we get another yes, subscriber. Yes, that, that's perfect. Uh, follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Champ doesn't know what a yarmulke is. Yes, I do. It's Yiddish. You informed me today. Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.